Welcome everyone to another episode of the Nerd Otaku Gaming Podcast. We are back with some great, great news as per usual because <laughs> the game industry in 2022 is not letting up, is it? Is it, Mr. Robin? Nothing but negative news, but at least for once, there's, there's some good. Nintendo is serving us some good. That's right, Nintendo is giving us love live triple uh, a video game <laughs> i woke up and i just saw everything about the sort of love live and i'm like oh shit nintendo's making love live that's awesome and then i found out it wasn't love live then i was sad for the whole day then i found out what it was and i was like oh that's actually not bad but anyway i'm getting ahead of myself <laughs> how have you not heard of live of live alive yet supposed to be like the niche hipster here come excuse on excuse me i play the normal gamer games like civilization <laughs> and stellaris <laughs> uh, yeah sure sure I'm, I'm also surprised i'd never heard of it like it, it's literally my first time seeing it never game. made it out the west I mean, never made it to them. Yeah, but like, Live Alive never after made it looking it up, I'm like, wow, this is a big deal. Maybe it wasn't, I don't know if, I don't know if it was big in Japan, but like, for, it seems like a, like a, I don't even know what example I can give. Like, it's so ambitious, you know, like. Yeah, it was ambitious for its like time. It was really, really ambitious. ambitious. And I'm like, and the, the crew on it was, it's an all-star crew. So it's like, how how have I never, ever, ever, ever heard of this thing? So... And a lot of stuff like that. Front Mission, Live Alive, Bahamut Lagoon, all those games. Damn, damn. Maybe we should have an episode where we talk about games like that then, huh? Because I, I, I had no idea. One day. We probably should. We probably One day. Should. Anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Anyway. That was part of the Nintendo Direct announcements, which was at midnight. And listen, I'm an old man. I have to wake up early and go to work. So I was like, nope, I'm going to sleep and find the announcements in the morning, which I did. So we can go through some of those announcements. Which one stood out to you, Robin? Well, first of all, there was, of course, as with every Nintendo Direct, there you know, leakers, predictions in the nose, and as well as just, you know, using logic to look at which studios released what when. So you can start to make predictions. And the easy slam dunk prediction will be was that oh there's going to be a new Fire Emblem game. I love Fire Emblem, you know that. I love strategy RPGs. I am a part-time weeb. Fire Emblem is my thing. So when when the direct started, it was immediately obvious, oh, this is a new Fire Emblem game. And it seems to be in the same universe as Three Houses, and my excitement was through the roof. Then the logo came and it said Fire Emblem Warriors, and I have... <laughs> my, my reaction in that moment is... My heart was shattered. In in a few seconds, my heart was shattered. Have you never played like, any Muso game? Like, I've played one that I I've liked. I played the, the Persona Muso game, Persona. and it was fine. That's the thing. But like, they are fine. Like the, one the Persona I... Muso game is actually they actually toned down the amount of stuff you fight in a Persona Muso game, so it feels more like a traditional action RPG. Hmm. 
but Fire Emblem Warriors immediately you can see oh it's running at 15 frames per second because it's on Switch and there's hundreds of it. I'm just like oh, no, no. It's so, Did the Zelda like, one run it, pretty that well? Was, no, it ran bad. Really? Edge of Calamity ran bad. The only other Muso game just... I played was uh, okay. There's multiple of them, but there's one which had uh, Alleluia Optimism, and I'm like, I have to play as Alleluia Optimism. <laughs> Gundam Muso, eh? Yes, that was the first announcement, and I I feel like I have to buy it because I like Fire Emblem Three Houses, but again, I don't feel like I have it in me to play a Warriors game. There will be a tough decision made here. <laughs> we got a new... This game was literally made for more Edelgard fanarts. Because it's already like... Not exactly flooding my timeline, but it's, it's dropping. It's dropping. Well, the thing is, it depends on on how your algorithm is. Because I'm getting spammed with Dimitri fan fan. <laughs> is exactly what I want. So, I will accept that. <laughs> hey, I'll accept yeah. Edelgard fanarts. It looks fine. You need you need to play Fire Emblem Three Houses. I have a strong feeling you would be a very big Edelgard simp because she's an anarchist basically. So this is great. So Final Fantasy Tactics, Fire Emblem Three Houses. Damn, let's go. Speaking of Final Fantasy Tactics, we got a new trailer for Triangle Strategy, which a lot of people said, hey, "This is Final Fantasy Tactics' successor." It probably isn't. It's radically different. We're also getting a demo that lets you play the first three chapters of the game. The game's coming out in March. I'm looking forward to that, but it's weird. The game looks much more story heavy than gameplay heavy, which is weird from a strategy RPG. Usually it's the other way around. You spend loads of time on the maps. But with this one, it's like really story heavy. And I feel like the marketing has been really weird. I don't think this one's going to hit like Octopath. I think that the they are going on the fact that Octopath fans are going to buy this anyway. So they're not really trying as hard. That's how I'm reading it. Maybe. But yeah, it looks yeah. looks okay. I'm looking forward to it. Actually, before, I lose, of... before I lose this channel, first, how is it that the Switch boost only gave Metroid 3 million. Okay, I know 3 million is a lot, and yes, it's probably going to be the highest selling Metroid game of all time, etc. Whatever. But like, just 3 million? Really? That's a lot of copies, man. It is a lot of copies. But, I don't know, I was expecting a little bit more. I mean, yes, it's probably. Like, I think Metroid 1 is the highest selling Metroid at like 4 million or something. Should be Prime, Metroid Prime. Oh, it's Prime, yes. Um, I and Metroid Prime never even reached 3 million. Dread is at like 2.7, so it's on its way to 3 million. Yeah, I was hoping for like 5. Dream a bit and get 10. <laughs> Come on, let's... Uh, let's... Let's... Let, let, let's uh, have some perspective. Just because Animal Crossing is selling 40 million doesn't mean we can think Metroid will destroy the sales chart. It's doing... Very well, but it is, in my opinion. It is, it is. I'm glad. I'm glad it's super well. So, yeah. Anyway, continue. Yeah, Triangle Strategy was not the only HD 2D game. You know, HD 2D is basically, you know, Square Enix is... 
oh, it looks like a SNES game, but in HD. They announced a remake of the game we were talking about before when we got ahead of ourselves, Live Alive. So Live Alive is an RPG released for the SNES. Never made it to the West, was Japan only. It's a very ambitious game. It is eight RPGs in one. Each of the games are different from each other in terms of like, like at their core, yes, it's turn-based, grid-based, but like they mess with the battle system with each of the eight games within the game. And at the time, that was mind-blowing. Of course, oh, I forgot to mention, yes, in the end, the game does tie the eight games together as well. So that was also part of what made it so ambitious. So I think if there's one company that respects its back catalog, it's Square. Because after they brought back Saga, they are really going crazy on these. They are just saying, we are going to bring back all the stuff. Mana series is back. Nostalgia bait with Octopath will make the pixel remasters of FFs. We are remastering Chrono Cross, another thing that was announced in this yes. uh, direct remake Live Alive. We're remaking Front Mission. It's like, man, I wish other companies respected their back catalog like Square does. I, I wish that as well. Um, like, the, the people who worked on Live Alive, like uh, Yoko Shimamura, I was like, damn, that's uh, a really really good like crew on that that thing and the fact that like apparently the eight the eight campaigns in the game sort of play a little bit different as well it's just you have to look up this trailer it is such an ambitious game like even when you look it up just even when you look at the trailer i guess to just do like a quick wikipedia thing you just see or understand how ambitious this thing is it sounds like it sounds like what um Hello Games was saying before No Man's Sky came out to me. Like it's like, like a fake game, <laughs> like 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 a fake P, like a Peter Molyneux pitch of what a JRPG is. It, it actually sounds really really cool. So, um... but the thing is, it's been all these years, and we know it worked. <laughs> the best thing. So, it's a remake, yes, but it worked. So, yeah. I'm looking forward to replaying Live Alive. They've also added voice acting. I can't say no voice acting. It's steep at fifty dollars, but eh, I, I, it's what you I'm, pay for. I'm surprised. It's, HD 2D. I think it's. I, I honestly think that's a full ass sixty dollar. That's a triple A game. Like from from what I like, that's a. It's a big ass game. That's a triple A game, to me. Like that's a that's a big release. Um. So, yeah, I I don't mind that. So in addition, I guess now let's talk about Nintendo's big games. Of course, what I think will be their biggest game, Splatoon 3, they did not give a date, which surprises me. I was expecting a date for Splatoon 3. Instead, we got a summer 2022 release window and a new trailer of the co-op mode. Mm. Splatoon is not for me, but from what I've seen, yeah, it's just more Splatoon. So I, I did not play Splatoon 2, but I played a lot of Splatoon 1. I was a very big fan of Splatoon. Very, very big fan of Splatoon. Um, I know Splatoon 2 had better single-player content. Uh, I enjoyed the multiplayer. I guess it was the only thing available in Splatoon 1. But I really did enjoy... It was fresh, you know? It was it was fresh. I liked the character designs. They were cool. Wait, Splatoon 2 is the one which had the two um, different squids. 
like squabble and then you could pick I played a bit of Splatoon 2 actually I just didn't play a lot of it I guess I played just a bit of Splatoon Back. 2 yeah so it's a, it's a good game uh, that, that's Splatoon Miiverse what do they call it? I've forgotten that was very cool I hope that returns Splatoon 3 um, non-Nintendo fans have no idea what I'm saying it's just a word salad but Nintendo fans know exactly what I'm talking about yeah <laughs> Splatoon is very much need to be in the core Nintendo family to get it. Similar to another game, Mario Strikers Battle League, coming out in June. It's another game where it's like, if you are not interested in Nintendo, you have no interest in this, but I expect this to do very well as well. Mario Strikers, one of the best, like, gaming LAN moments I had ever. Like, uh, in uni, I went to, like, my first ever like um like game club thingy and they were playing mario strikers and i was i was like why is this stupid mario football game and i played it and i was like this is just as much fun as mario kart like it's it's super fun <laughs> yeah as i said if you're not into core nintendo forget it similar with there's actually a lot of games which are like that which like, you have Mario and Zelda, which transcend even core Nintendo fans, which get interest of people like me. And then you've got the more, you know, stuff where you really need to be into it. Like Earthbound. <laughs> Earthbound, I feel, is in a whole different space. Because Earthbound, Earthbound is where all the Undertale fans came from. Man. Yes, Come on. yes, that's true. The weirdos, the Tumblr yeah. weirdos. The Tumblr, yes, the Tumblr weirdos. Earthbound is the father of all weird RPGs, you know, with a sense of humor and self-awareness. They all came from Earthbound, and now they're on Switch Online. Unfortunately, no Mother 3, which is, you know, the third Earthbound game, so too bad for those people. But... I guess the fact that they actually are willing to put Earthbound and Earthbound Zero... Earthbound Beginnings, as they're calling it. Earthbound Beginnings means maybe there's a chance for Mother 3. Mother 3 is all of those mythical unicorns of a game. That, yeah, you can you can pirate it and play a fan-translated copy, but everyone's like, hey, we want Nintendo to do an official one. I feel like you saying we can pirate it is probably going to mean this episode is definitely going to be given a season desist. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Look, Nintendo is not listening to this. Come on. <laughs> Moving on, we got a trailer for the upcoming Kirby game, Kirby's Forgotten Land. It's coming out in March. Looking pretty ambitious, but what caught everyone's attention is that Kirby can swallow, he swallows <laughs> everything and gets its powers, right? Yes. But the one thing Kirby cannot swallow is regular objects like a car or a traffic cone. Those, instead of absorbing them, it ends up like filling him out, <laughs> and it just looks very weird. Ah, oh, man! I woke up and all I could see trending on Twitter was like Deep Throat Kirby, and <laughs> and something related to Love Live. So I was like, it's a Nintendo thing happened for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Kirby, the forgot and the Forgotten Land, op- open-looking 3D Kirby, coming out in March. 
but another game if you are not part of the Nintendo core you'll be interested in as well as what I think will end up selling a stupid amount of copies without people realizing Nintendo Switch Sports do you think that still has a market? hell yeah man Ring Fit Adventure sold so many copies but nobody even talks about it but it's selling which one Ring Fit? I'm feeling this was so yeah. Oh, no, Ring Fit, okay, I guess I see lots of talk about it because a lot of the VTubers play it as their like passing time game. But yes, Ring Fit does do big numbers. And like, uh, not a lot of not gamers have it as like their workout, whatever. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's that's very likely so, actually. Yeah. So Switch Sports is basically a successor to the Wii Sports line. You know, playing sports and all that sort of stuff. You make your me, blah blah blah. You know. It has a soccer one this time, so you can attach your um, Joy-Con to your leg. Apparently, it's all I know is it's it's going to sell a lot of copies. It will. That that's all. That's all I can say. And people will not care because they're like, oh, it's a casual game. You know what I'm excited for? Classic tracks in Mario Kart, baby! Hell yeah, let's bring back those N64 maps. Let's bring back them Double Dash maps. I know you haters out there be like, oh, Double Dash, Double Dash, let me tell you right now. Double Dash is the best Mario Kart. Double Dash does not have rubber banding. Double Dash is a sports game. <laughs> it's a sports... It, it, it's a simulation, okay? It's a kart simulation. You people just hated it because it had two, two characters and you could bank your your, your, your items and you people just don't know what items go well together and you always lose in Double Dash but Double Dash is the best Mario Kart and the maps are coming back suck on it it's gonna sell as well that... you are getting ahead of yourselves <laughs> Mario Kart 8 is getting a new DLC pack everyone it's going to have 48 maps arriving through this year and through 2023 48 tracks is a lot of tracks so it's a pretty big expansion, 25 bucks for free if you are paying for the overpriced Nintendo subscription with the expansion pack and all that. And I saw some disappointment that it's not a new Mario Kart, so it's like, man, Mario Kart 9 is just going to come out for the Switch 2. So Mario Kart 8 lives on, the highest selling Switch game. How would you, why would, is there a point to make a Mario, like, why would you make Mario Kart 9? I don't know. Like I, Who knows what they can do? That's like saying, oh, why are you making a Street Fighter 6? Ah, that's different, man. That's different. Yeah, who knows what they can do? Don't count the company out. The most creative company in the world out. I guess. I guess. This will tide us over, I guess, until we get Mario Kart 9. On the new Switch, yes. Yeah. And I think to wrap up our chat on the Direct... There was what personally for me is probably the game I'm most looking forward to, Xenoblade Chronicles 3. When the trailer started playing, it was like, oh, what's this? And then we heard the voices and immediately it was like, oh, those voices are British. That means it's Xenoblade. See, I don't think they were British enough. Like, okay, here's the thing. Okay, I don't know. Okay, let me... They did sound corny as Xenoblade 1. Does that make sense? Like, there's a bit ones. Nah, man. The the moment I heard the British voices, I knew that nah, this is Xenoblade. Yeah, but they sound. 
quote unquote very professional. Xenoblade One. That's that's FF twelve and FF fourteen. <laughs> or maybe I'm mixing it up with Last Story. But like those first Operation Rainfall games had some interesting voice acting. <laughs> but anyway, yes, I, I yeah, only because played... Nintendo of America was incompetent. Yeah, they were not great. But yeah, I've only played Xenoblade One. I very very much enjoyed it. I didn't play two. Um, it intimidated me. <laughs> It seemed so big, but yeah, um, it, it looks cool. I saw the trailer as well and I was like, nice. My biggest takeaway is that the character designs are actually a bit more simple and understated. Xenoblade 2, part of what turned me away from Xenoblade 2, apart from the fact that it never goes on sale and I want to buy and I don't want to buy the price of principle, is that the character designs are horrendous in Xenoblade 2. They're just so bad. They are very shameless, if you know what I mean. <laughs> And look, I I don't mind some fan service here and there, but ugh, man, they, they took it too far with Xenoblade Two. <laughs> Is there such Xenoblade a thing 3, as they taking seem... it too far? Is there? <laughs> yeah, that's what Xenoblade Two was. Xenoblade Two was teetering on the verge of, of oh, this is going into shameless Kusoge style games in terms of the character yeah. design. Teetering, I see what you did there. <laughs> Yes, I'm a master of words. And yeah, Xenoblade 3 has avoided that. I like the character design so far. It looks like it's good. Xenoblade 1 and 2 are so far apart that they basically don't intersect. Xenoblade 3 is going to connect the two worlds together in one way or another. Looking forward to it. I was really surprised by the fact that it's arriving in September, which is very soon. But... uh, I trust Monolith Soft to deliver the game. I don't think it will run well, probably run at like 20 frames per second and 360p, but I think the game will still be fun. I'm sure it will. The last Xenoblade was very critically acclaimed. I remember at the Game Awards, it came out in December, so it it, it like seeped into the next year. Uh, and I think it won RPG of the Year or something like that. Something like no, that. No, it didn't. It didn't? It didn't. No. didn't. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but I still recall like the it. fact that it was like strong enough to return and people did the people who I follow anyway kept talking about it, so it was a pretty yeah. good release. It it it, bu- it built a real it built a really dedicated fan base. Of course there was constant arguing about no the designs are too horny or not. We won't get that this time, so the discourse around the game will be less toxic. Thankfully. Thankfully, yeah. So the Nintendo Direct was big news yesterday, but there was another piece of big news yesterday, I guess, which can be related to some big news, which was last, which was a week ago. It's a big news, which was three weeks ago. Yes, it is my least favorite topic, consolidation talk. And... The last time we talked about consolidation, I was, I was a bit negative You're and very, I, I, I was dooming. Yes, I was dooming. I am here with a bit more realism than dooming. So, where to begin? Yes, Microsoft released an article, a blog post, basically, to, I'll say, get ahead of regulation. 
basically the acquisition of Activision Blizzard by Microsoft is being investigated by the FTC. Like I said it would. Investigated by authorities in America. And Microsoft are getting ahead of themselves. They're getting ahead of the authorities by trying to set be transparent, set out what the deal means for them and the industry, show that there's no anti-competitive behavior, blah, 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 so that the deal can go through smoothly. What's important for them is that the deal gets done. And they said a lot in there, but what is interesting to people like me and, of course, to probably our core listeners is they talked about their dedication beyond their dedication to keep Call of Duty and other active Legion Blizzard properties on Sony PlayStation platforms even beyond what is contracted in whatever pre-existing agreements. So the basic read on that is that Call of Duty will continue to remain multi-platform. Diablo and Overwatch possibly also remain multi-platform. Maybe Crash and Spyro, who knows? Uh, future IPs, we don't know. But we will for now just focus on the big thing. Call of Duty likely remains multi-platform. This is contrary This is contrary to what a lot of us thought and contrary to what they've done with Bethesda and ZeniMax. Where to start? I so basically, firstly, on a lot of Xbox, Xbox forums, there's an Xbox forum xbox era which i browse sometimes so xbox forums and on xbox twitter they were mad <laughs> they were not happy they were absolutely they not happy with them <laughs> they are not happy because they had console war ammo and that console war ammo is seemingly gone but yeah a lot of core Xbox fans who are not seeing the bigger picture were not happy. You're wondering what makes Zenim- what makes this different from Zenimax. You're wondering what's the point. And I've seen, I've seen I saw a lot of do- dooming for Xbox, which is weird because Xbox is in such a good position right now. Like yeah, a lot of people seem to be of the idea that hey, if you don't take away toys from someone else, then it's not fun. <laughs> Which is very sad in my opinion, but hey, where where to start? Yeah, it's what what do you think? It's really weird. Um, I I do think that this, unfortunately, I'm going to be a bit cynical. Like you said, they're getting ahead of that FTC regulation check thing, uh, so they'll be like, hey man, we're gonna put it on PlayStation. So the FTC will be like, they said they're gonna put it on PlayStation. This is not violating any um, uh, laws or regulations that we have said it passes and then but what they've said is that Call of Duty will continue to be there right like Call of Duty they didn't specifically say what kind of Call of Duty it could still just be Warzone like that's the thing with these words is that they are so yeah that's you see that's the thing, thing. So, that's what we thought with the last statement but with this statement it is much more open. It's much more clear. It definitely seems that even yes, normal Call of Duty will be coming after afterwards because it's beyond existing agreements. That I guess goes into, um, I suppose, 
what I would like us and to also, like I also yeah. mm-hmm. they said we are also interested in taking similar steps to support Nintendo's platform. That in itself tells me that yeah, it's beyond just Warzone or whatever because there's no code on Nintendo. Yes, so so them saying we want to do that exactly. That's also what implies that okay, yeah. Exactly. So what this implies is what I I guess it it bleeds into what I wanted our main topic to be about, which is um, uh, pricing structures and um, what game how we were going to be purchasing games in the future. I do believe that. This play by Microsoft uh, is a Game Pass play. It's really it's a it's a joke or a meme right now, but the play really is Game Pass on Nintendo, Game Pass on PlayStation. That's actually what the play is here. So by them saying that, by them even mentioning Nintendo, it really does goes to show that that's that's what they're playing at. Um, it is not a buy Activision, buy Sega, buy Capcom. So that that so that their games are only released on Xbox for sixty or seventy dollars or whatever. That's not the play. The play here is to, as dumb as it sounds, be the Netflix of gaming. So you wanna play Call of Duty? You can buy it for seventy dollars on Sony, right? On a PlayStation, you can do that. You can still do that. It's published by Microsoft, and you can buy it for seventy dollars on PlayStation. Or you can spend $15 and get it uh, as a subscription on PlayStation still. Um, and, and that's the play. Um, I, I feel like that's kind of what they are going for here. Um, the way we've been looking at it maybe has been, like I said, um, swallow up a studio, swallow up a, a publisher now, I guess, um, and keep those games to yourself. But I don't think that that is what they are going for they are full-on uh, going into Game Pass and it makes sense now why um, Microsoft is giving the Xbox I guess the gaming division now is what they're called why they're giving the gaming division that much money to spend is because it makes sense like if you're gonna have a hundred million subscribers it makes sense to spend 70 billion on, a, on acquiring content because you do need that drip feed of content you're not game pass is not something that i think they're planning to to like you're going to play all the games no you're probably only going to like six or seven of them but to have six or seven you can't do that with nine first party studios you need i don't know 35 40 50 first party studios and they have to be varied because not every game that uh, 343 makes is something that i'll like the next Halo might possibly be complete ass. It's possible. So we can't even rely on, on sure bets, you know what I mean? So they do need as many, as much, they need as much content as possible. And that's the, the play they're going for. PlayStation, I don't, I guess I'm getting a bit ahead of myself, but even they seem to be switching up their, um, Oh, not switching up, but uh, diversifying um, their That's the word. catalog. Because, as I mentioned last time, uh, Sony is the boutique gaming platform. You want a big, shiny game for $70, you go to PlayStation. They're going to give you that big, shiny $70 game. But those are expensive, and those take five years plus to make. 
you can't rely on on that solely so how do you get the money rolling in uh, you acquire a live service juggernaut in Bungie. True. Yeah. So that's basically my thought on the on on, on, on that. I, I although I honestly still do think that um, to a certain extent, to a certain extent, they will withhold Call of Duty as a seventy dollar purchase on other platforms. Maybe not in the near future, but in the far flung future, I do see that becoming a possibility or whatever else becomes a big franchise Look, man you don't lie to the ftc if you say <laughs> something and then you turn your back you, you you're asking for trouble <laughs> i feel like the fact that they've put this statement out means that they can't back down now it's not like with bethesda where they were very 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 vague and then e3 comes as starfield xbox and pc exclusive here they have tried to get ahead they can't back down it's the same thing as with like when Bungie make a new IP mm-hmm. it has to be multi-platform because part of the only reason Bungie sold to PlayStation was because they knew if we stay with PlayStation we'll be multi-platform it was a deal breaker so you can't expect that to change now because the backlash is just just won't won't be worth it and to be clear the backlash is not going to come from okay there'll probably be some from gamers but i think the backlash from bungie bungie are notoriously very stubborn uh exactly so if sony are like nah this is going to be exclusive bungie will leave again as they have done in the past in the past twice (laughs) so that was one like the first thing when i saw that acquisition my first thing was like what's the play here because Bungie are not going to allow themselves to be held down to us. Like, I, I knew this. We know this. So I'm like, what is the play here? Um, and I think the play was we need a... Live service. We need a live service to tide our 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 players through, to bring the money in, um, to bring that steady stream of money in uh, while be- between Last of Us games, you know, between Naughty Dog games. Yeah, Sony is supposedly releasing 10 live service games between now and... I don't know if that's March 2026. Oh man, I forgot about that news. Now, a lot of people will be like, 10 live service games, what the hell? Now, I'm, I'm here as context man to make you realize this is actually not as crazy as it sounds because Gran Turismo 7 counts as a live service game. That's one. Last of Us Factions is a live service game. The IP they've announced with their new studio, with those startup studios, Haven and Deviation and Firewalk, those are all live service games. We're now at five games. Okay, okay. Now, okay, when you put it like that, it makes sense. Because I, I, yeah. I remember I tweeted and I said, weirdly enough, weirdly enough, I realized. I am the target market for live service games because I I do play live service games. I play Overwatch, I play Dota, I play Division, Destiny. I play Destiny. Like I am the target market. Obviously, I'm not like a like like I said. I play when expansions come out, right? I play them for like three weeks. I'm done. Sure, I'm not like the super hardcore live service person, but I I do I double I double in everything. 
when I heard third life savings schemes, I'm like, how? How am I going to spread myself? Because I'm definitely going to play. I'm going to. I'm going to play Last of Us multiplayer for sure. You know, I'm going to try at least two or three of those. But ten, man, it just sounds like you're splitting. For a life service game to survive, you do need a core base of people who just play just that one game all the time, every day. And a lot of staff as well. So how do you, like you're splitting, like is the market that ripe for life service games? Are there enough people to do that? Well, here's the thing, as I've said, the life service game, you only need one hit and then you're good. So they're just throwing everything at the at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah, I think that's the approach they want to take. Throw a bunch at the wall, see which ones stick, and then those will stay. So like, and obviously this also ties into the fact that they're launching more games on PC now. So I believe Jade Raymond's game is PS5 and PC to have live service elements. That's just a classic example. And their core studios are recruiting heavily as well. So like Guerrilla Games have former staff from Ubisoft. So after Horizon, they are probably going to do a live service game as well. Killzone Online. I, I think the Killzone IP is a bit cursed, but uh, anyway. <laughs> you know, just hey man, observing. I'm, I was uh, surprised. I saw in that Facebook group that people were nostalgic for Resistance, and I'm like, wow wow resistance one was good by the way i haven't played two and three but resistance one was really good and it was fine <laughs> now nah, resistance one was really good i i will fight you on that that game was good of course i don't want insomniac to stop making what they're making to go back to resistance because i love spider-man but like have some have some respect for resistance <laughs> 10 live service games doesn't sounds like a lot but when you look at employment uh, what's this those job ads and stuff and linkedins you can see okay it's probably won't detract from the bread and butter of sony's business bungie as a live service expert they are probably going to leverage their technologies and whatnot to help them get running so that they have more live services going on destruction all stars an attempt at a live service that game kind of failed but you know that's that's how the bends the brakes with this sort of thing i believe even twisted metal maybe live service they're bringing back twisted metal it's that sort of thing just throw everything at the wall see what works see what you can leverage maybe uh, oh tie it in with the tv series which is you know I feel like we could talk about PlayStation trying to leverage stuff into TV for hours, but uh, we <laughs> hold back on that. Hey, Uncharted's coming out. I'm curious to see how that's going. I, for the longest time, I was really? like, these guys are not marketing this movie. And I, I can see the marketing now, and it's fine. It looks like they Reviews are, are tomorrow. to... Releases tomorrow? Reviews are oh, tomorrow. Reviews. Oh, okay. Um, it looks like it's targeting I'm expecting it to be thoroughly made fans like and i feel like that's a mistake like you don't target the video game fans for these movies you target normies yeah but anyway 
it's too late. This is just the first. They're going to have a Ghost of Tsushima movie and the Last of Us series. I feel like the Last of Us series will be the true barometer of seeing how serious PlayStation productions and TV and movies are. New Drakman. That show is good. He's such a tryhard, a tryhard hipster film bro that I do feel that even if it's bad, he's going to swing so hard that if it's a miss, it will be a very interesting miss. I guess. But yeah, for me I think that would be the barometer before I say no PlayStation stop trying to do what they're doing. Let's see how this looks. I feel like in my opinion the TV space is a good way to leverage their back catalog because unlike Square Enix Sony don't respect their back catalog. So maybe use TV to gain awareness for those old games and then you make new entries like I hear there is a possibility of a Jack and Dexter movie or TV show. Yeah. And if you can leverage a good TV show into eventually a new entry, that would be nice. That's what they're doing with Twisted Metal. Twisted Metal is getting a TV series and then after along with the TV series to be getting a game. Some Sly Cooper. They can do stuff. That's just another thing that goes to show how diverse the strategies of these companies are. Bungie also said part of the reason they want to work with PlayStation because they want to go onto TV and movies. So that's that's one thing. Microsoft are, are just stacking up content. Nintendo are doing their own thing. Everyone is facing the chip shortage. There's just so many dynamic things going on in the industry right now. It's a very strange time. Do you think that Nintendo's, um, you know? $60 never discount your game thing is going to work. Is the IP strong enough to continue? Like, I I know that it sounds ridiculous to think of a Mario game losing sales or Zelda dropping. That sounds ridiculous, but you know, let's be realistic. It's either eventually going to happen because we're going to die or, you know, like... How realistic is it for them to keep this model? If both of these other companies are kind of mixing it up or switching up, are they really fine just going the way they're going? Yeah, that's part of the reason they carved themselves into their own space, to allow themselves to not be affected by whatever the heck these two guys are doing. So, I, the IP are strong, man. Animal Crossing, Zelda, Mario. I have learned not to underestimate it. All it needs is semi-decent hardware with a decent enough uh, pitch, you know, not the Wii U. Of course, it's fickle because we've seen Nintendo go from strength to, you know, from top to bottom super fast, mm-hmm. from Wii to Wii U, from N60, from SNES to N64 to GameCube. We've seen how up and down they can be. I think we're at a point where Nintendo's management cannot screw up as bad as the Wii U, so the Switch's successor will likely be successful in my eyes. But I think that just goes to show that yeah, they are in their own space, but if they if they shoot themselves in the foot, yes, that's when that's when that can happen. But if they just stay the course, which going from everything that uh, Nintendo's current management have said they said that we're going to stay the course, we're going to keep things 
as they are, then there's no reason for it to fail. I don't see them facing an adaptation problem soon. Okay, and then in the PC space, we have got Epic announcing that they have the most users um, last year after they gave out the most games and the most value of games. So very much mirroring the Game Pass thing of like, oh, you're giving away games for free. Are people actually going to buy games? Yes. Turns out, the more that you give people games on your platform, the more that they stay there and the more that they end up spending money on that platform. So even the PC space is growing, um, even with free games being given away. So it looks like it's, it's an ecosystems war and not really a hardware war, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I guess it's very true. Yeah, we're moving beyond plastic boxes. It's all about ecosystem, what IP you own, how you can leverage the IP. It's dystopian as hell, but it's what we've got. So we've got to do. I think it, that's that's why Valve is going for the Steam Deck, and they are biting mad losses, especially with this chip shortage biting mad losses on that Steam Deck thing which is supposed to launch soon. I think it's just to get more people... I think they're realizing like to play a Steam game you have to like go home and sit in your freaking office space, you know what I mean? But if you can carry your yeah. game around and sleep with it next to your bed or whatever, suddenly you're like, huh, I should probably buy more games and you're on Steam longer. And they've opened it up, they've said whatever, you can play Epic, you can install light whatever you can install whatever you want on this thing it's a pc uh but the play there is still the fact that eventually you will launch steam again and play on steam again trying to keep you within that ecosystem they're not fighting against i guess other games they're fighting against ecosystems and screen time they're fighting against twitter against netflix against facebook against instagram like that's that seems to be what the the battle is from what i can yeah, that's why we. That's why you hear so many people using the word metaverse. It's like, oh, in our so-called metaverse, it means we have you spending more time in the game, which is really stupid because, like, guys, you already have people spending hella time in the game. Trying to make it into PlayStation Home is not going to help. <laughs> no, it's not. I think that the, the idea again with that whole metaverse thing is like, okay, you like Twitter's like, okay, you 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 do Twitter while watching a show but what if you are on a screen in twitter watching a show in twitter like that like the idea is to keep you within that ecosystem i know we're using a lot of jargon and <laughs> marketing terms but the idea is to keep you in that app so if you open an app say um the Xbox uh, avatar app, Xbox Home, whatever. And within that app, your icon can walk around like in Fortnite and watch a Christopher Nolan movie or or watch a concert. They, they, they can claim and say, oh, you can do anything in here. You can listen to music and watch movies. But really the person who's winning is the fact that, yeah, you, the app that you've opened primarily is Xbox or Facebook or whatever the 
Yeah, that's the idea. Just more screen time. Like I've said, it is dystopian. How people are now competing for how the companies are now competing for people's time and attention. I don't like it, but hey, it's where we're going. <laughs> Times like this, you're Can... just supposed to hope that oh, okay, if the bubble pops, maybe the indie space will cover it up. The good thing is there's lots of talent in the industry. Lots of people are forming new studios. Of course, it'll be sad when IPs die, when all the bubbles pop, but hey, new IPs will come. We'll see how it goes. There will always be new IPs, yeah. That's that's the, I guess, encouraging thing. Um, do you see the $60 AAA game staying relevant? In a, in a scenario where we have all these companies swallowed up, these studios, do they keep making these big, 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 games or do they just start churning out quality you know like quality game like imagine god of war, like quarter of what god of war is maybe we even double the quality because it's it's smaller shorter but like super shiny but it, it, they make it within two years like do you see them switching to something like that so that the content is being chewed out the faster, economics or like the economics of of the AAA industry are not good. It is a bubble waiting to pop. Games, the type of experiences which we want, like let's say, it will take you five years to make, and there's an expectation that the content does not go down. Excuse me, the amount of content does not go down, and I don't think they'll go extinct. They'll still be making these sorts of games. These Last of Us's, God of Wars, and all that stuff, Starfields. Even outside Nintendo, there will still be a place for these sorts of games. But how they'll be delivered outside Nintendo? Yes, they may be delivered within the subscription. I feel like it may become like Netflix will still make you know to still say, hey, we've got this super well acclaimed director. They are going to make this movie for us. And it's going to launch on Netflix or Disney Plus. Who say we are launching our super big movie on Disney Plus? So yeah, you. They may go extinct in the sense that you won't be able to buy them as a sixty dollar game, but I still think those games will be there for the sake of prestige, marketing, uh, hype cycle. You know, those such games generate a lot of conversation. True. They love. That's why Netflix loves conversation. Similarly. True, true. No, yeah, I guess I, that, yeah, that does give me hope. So maybe not as many big ones, but they they will be there because they, you do need that, um, like you said, prestige. I remember I asked you something on on Twitter and you said no, they will continue because of prestige. What is that? Do you, can you recall? Rockstar. I said. Yes, Rockstar. I said. Is there a possibility that GTA 6 is just an online game? And the economics are behind that. Like it makes sense. Like it just makes sense. It, if I am a businessman and I'm making GTA, why should I make a single player component? There's actually zero good financial reason to do that. True. But, you know, the devs devs have some extent of power and GTA has to have the prestige factor. So, 
That's how I see it. There's no chance. G- GTA 6 will be good. Come on. <laughs> Isn't this the first one without the houses? It is. That's interesting. We'll see. We'll see. Because even Red Dead 2 didn't have um, Leslie Benzies and then they brought him back in. They quelled, they quelled their beef, brought him back in and he fixed it up and they shipped it. Uh, and no Benzies this time. Is, where is Benzies? Bungie? Some, something like that. Um, no Benzies, no houses. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, I Let's hope see. it's good. I like GTA. I'm looking for GTA I, 6. I like GTA. I, I like GTA. Yeah, me too. I'm very much I like Red Dead more, but I like GTA. Very much looking forward to GTA 5. Not on the charts for the first time in my adult life. Such lovely, lovely thoughts. I go to bed thinking about that and have a great night's sleep. <laughs> you know, now that you say it like that, I'm GTA 5 has been on top of the charts since I was a teenager. <laughs> And it's still on top of the charts. That disturbs me a lot. Thanks for thanks for giving me something to dwell over as I sleep. <laughs> lovely, just lovely. So was that one week when it wasn't on, on the charts? I'm like, yes, let's go. And then Shima was like, wait for next week. <laughs> that's the GTA. Oh man. But yeah, that's that's kind of basically what I, I wanted to go over because I I was really like I. I think about these things, you know, like where the industry is going, how we will be buying games, because that really does affect how we'll be buying, like, there are some people who are just not comfortable with subscription services, uh, you know, owning games, um, I, I, I was very, I, I go back and forth, I very much like the idea of owning my game, especially a physical one because I know how volatile this stuff is um, but I think I, I got I learned to let go because of ironically piracy I know that s- at least they preserve them you know like maybe I won't own own the copy that I bought but I know I'll be able to somehow access it because someone out there has pirated it and I can access it later through that way um, even if say a game I really wanted to play has gone off the library or the servers are shut down somehow. Yes, it's not the exact same experience, but it is a concern, right? Like it is a it is a concern that I have had yeah. and some people have had. So ongoing the subscription route is is it's concerning. You know, like what happens and all that stuff. So it, it does affect us as consumers. I think it also does affect the devs in a certain way. The types of games they'll make vary. You know, if you're if you, are, if you pitch a publisher a quadruple A video game, you kind of know what you're making. You it, it, it changes your design choices. But if there's like, okay, hey man, knock something out in three years, here's a billion dollars. That also changes the way you, you make a game, you know what I mean? So um, it, it's, it's, it's cyclical, it affects everything. So I really didn't want to uh, talk about that. And I, I hope you guys do as well. Like even when you're seeing these acquisitions, I hope you're you're noticing that it's not just not just being a, it's not just about console. Look at it through the bigger picture. We always say I always say look at the bigger picture. Yeah, very very important. Like 
that's why i always ask myself what's the why would you spend 70 dollars like 70 billion like that's a lot of money like there's a, there's some big decisions going there you don't just do that to to gatekeep 70 dollar games to your console there's something going on there you don't just spend 3 billion on i'm being reductive here a day of that has one game you know what i mean like there's something going on there so um it's important to look into these things i think yeah and on that note i think that is all we wanted to discuss in today's episode yes indeed that is think look at the bigger picture as always except with the exception of nintendo who do a direct and they will just do whatever they want yeah yeah um i wanted to close off real quick just real quick uh, fire like what have you played recently what are you playing anything that people should look out for for me we very rarely do that these days because there's always something big to talk about but like yeah what what have you been playing i'm just i'm be, i've been on a fire emblem binge man i've been playing loads of fire emblem nice any that you can say people should jump into it like hey man i don't never played fire emblem where, where do i start I mean, the easy place to jump in is three houses because it's on Switch. But I'm playing like the 3DS Fire Emblems, and not everyone's gonna have a 3DS. So yeah, it's more like I like three houses. I'm going back now playing 3DS one. This is all just to tide me over till you know to what I think will be the greatest, <laughs> the greatest two weeks of gaming ever, which is Horizon next Friday and Elden Ring oh, Friday man. after that. Did you see the PS4 Horizon? It was like 13 seconds, but like. That looks exactly like a PS5 version to me. It looks really fucking good. Like unless they're lying. So like for a long time I was like I'm not going to play this game like for the next I don't know 3 years to get a PS5. But then I looked at it and I'm like ah I might actually buy this game. It doesn't look too bad. It looks different. It definitely does, but it looks good enough where it's like this is This will not be a cyberpunk scenario. This, I I trust Guerrilla. The game will look fine. The game will probably be like the best looking PS4 game ever, or something, because at its heart it's a PS4 game. But like, obviously it won't compare to how good the PS5 version. I mean, obviously won't. I mean, for someone like me, I only have a 1080p screen. Then a HDR. I think I'll be fine. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you'll be I fine. I think I'll be fine. There's nothing. Ro- What the point we're trying to raise is nothing wrong with playing Horizon on PS4. Yeah. No one will shame you for it. Yeah, like it, it's. I mean, I, I've deliberately not played Miles Morales because I can clearly, clearly see the difference. But like Horizon, I looked at that and I was like, they're either bluffing or this looks good. So yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to next week. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to it as well. I've been playing Final Fantasy VII Remake. That game. This is this is news, guys. Like, it's a good video game. I don't know if you've heard of this Final Fantasy VII. But it's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's very horny, but it's these, pretty good. <laughs> after all these years, telling you, hey man, this is a game made for for environmentalists for. Environmental terrorists, and you're like, nah, man, I'm not gonna play this. Well, looky here. <laughs> yeah, I've been having a good time with that. Uh, the mechanics, I thought I wouldn't like them, but 
when those first side quests opened up, I did all of them. And I was like, this is actually fun to play. The combat is interesting. I like it. I'm, I, I always get intimidated like when people talk about like material and I'm like, oh, fuck me. I have to do that Final Fantasy 12 shit again with the fucking, what was the 12 thing called? The code? No, is that 10? The Zodiac, Zodiac board. Zodiac board. Oh my god, damn it. I have to. 10, it was the Sphere Grid. See, I'm like, Sphere Grid, Zodiac board, nonsense. Like, okay, I always get into that stuff eventually, but then it's just so intimidating and you're looking at it and you're like, ah. But then when you get into it, you're like, it, it makes sense. And yeah, I'll min max this shit. So yeah, it's, it, it's fun. Uh, I recommend. Hot take. I recommend Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> hot take the hottest of takes Dennis for for a man of the hot takes this is definitely your hottest this one is uh, Yay. magma from the volcano baby yeah um I guess that's this week's episode and uh yeah we'll see you guys next time <laughs>